In the doctor's words, it was nothing short of a miracle, and I was healed. I was in tears as I was receiving the word from God that definitely strengthened, encouraged, and comforted me. And in my heart, I heard him respond, I know. And those two words healed so much. All right, well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good to see some familiar faces. My name is Eric. Uh, I'm a pastor here at Community Christian Church. Uh, no longer lead this location. They fired me from here to hire better leaders, uh, but it's very good to be with you. Uh, that's not true. Um, they are better leaders, but I didn't get fired. Um, I love this church. I'm grateful to be a part of this community. My wife is in the crowd. Aaron, raise your hand. Everybody get up for Aaron because she's awesome. You know, my wife and I and our family, we moved down here, uh, it was almost 10 years ago, to help launch this initiative, this new location here in Lincoln Park. Um, and over the last 10 years, we've been able to serve in this community as a pastor. And then we relocated our family just two years ago. It's been two years since we left the city. We moved to the sad suburbs, that's what I call it, because uh, we love the city. We don't necessarily love the suburbs, but we're doing that because it's closer to my wife's family. Uh, we, it was cost of living challenges. You know how expensive it is to be down here. Our kids were kind of entering into the high school phase, and so we were trying to figure out some of those things as well. And life has been good, but it's not been great because the city is great. Amen? Amen. I love the city of Chicago. We come down here as often as we can. I was here twice this week. My wife was down here Friday and Saturday. Um, and uh, we just love being able to be down here around this community, around this city. This city needs more churches. It needs more safe places for people to explore their faith. It needs more communities that are pointing people to Jesus. And so the mission statement of this church Helping people find their way back to God is a personal mission statement for me. My dad's not yet a Christ follower. We've prayed for him for many years, uh, happily married to my mom, and they've been married for over 50 years. But he's not yet said yes to Jesus, uh, which we've always been praying for. And so when I think about the mission statement of helping people find their way back to God, it's personal for me. And that's why we came down here to help start this church years ago, because we know the city of Chicago desperately needs more churches. And since pastoring this community, I've had the privilege of shifting my responsibilities. Uh, I work full-time for our church planting organization. I say our. It's part of Community Christian Church. John and Dave Ferguson started it years ago, and it helps us start new churches just like this one all over the world. And it's awesome. So I work for New Thing full-time. A quarter of my job is here in Chicagoland, and three-quarter of it is outside of North America. And last year, during COVID, we were able to plant almost 1,000 churches around the globe, which is pretty incredible, exciting stuff. You can clap for that. There weren't too many church planting organizations and too many denominations that were planting churches during COVID, but New Thing was. And the reason why is God allowed us to build these relationships with churches that are in India, uh, in the Philippines, in Eastern Europe, and we've been able to see a lot of growth uh, during the season when most churches were either closing up or they weren't able to multiply and start new churches because they weren't able to think beyond castle and think kingdom. And what I love about community is we are a be the church, kingdom kind of church. And we can tell the stories like what took place in Naperville and Carrie Lattister told the testimony of how we rallied around people during the challenges they faced in the suburbs in the last week. And folks, that is not very common. Too often the church often thinks castle, and there's very concern about them and theirs. And what I love about the helping people find their way back to God is an outward-focused mission. It's an outward-focused mission. So if you're here for the first time, 
We're glad you're a part of this. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll get into our series, Naturally Supernatural. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would guide us to what you'd like for us to hear, uh, what we need to receive, what you might have to say to us, and may we just be the kind of community that engages uh, the, the world around us and thinks about what it might look like for everyone in this community to find their way back to you. May we be a catalyst for that. May we also find you if we haven't done that yet, maybe even today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So, Jesse, over and over again, I want to say the wrong order of the name of this series as well, so I apologize if I do that, but Naturally Supernatural is the series that we're in, and uh, it's a wonderful series. I like how it's challenging all of us to think about how to become more intentional about hearing from God. And uh, years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to a little-known country called Albania. Who's heard of Albania? Now, keep your hand up if you know where it's at. Some of you do. Some of you do. Uh, Albania is part of the Balkan nations. Uh, used to be a communist uh, reign country. Uh, they're now a free country. And Albania is predominantly Muslim. It's less than 1% evangelical Christian. In fact, it's one-third of 1% Christian. Um, and years ago, about seven years ago, I was introduced to a couple pastors there. And this story uh, gives me kind of like confidence about what we're talking about today. Um, and I'll get into that in just a moment. And as I was with these pastors, I got to hear their testimony and their word about how they're dreaming of new churches being started, but they're not sure how to do that, and they're trying to figure that out. And it was that night that I felt and sensed from the Holy Spirit that I had received kind of a special word that I was supposed to share to these pastors. And maybe this has happened to you before, and you've kind of thought to yourself, well, that's really strange. I didn't have that thought. Where did that come from? Why am I thinking these things? And I can remember thinking those words that I felt like God was telling me to say to these pastors. And so the next day at the coffee shop, I can picture it very vividly. They're sitting across the table from me. I'm sitting there with another friend of mine. And I say kind of gently and cautiously, hey, I think I heard something from God last night. And I think I'm supposed to say this to you. And I don't know if it's from God or not, but I think this is who it's from. And I think it's from the Holy Spirit. And I just kind of began to share with them how I believe that God had put them in a position and in a place to lead a movement of new churches across Albania, and that if they would work together as pastors, and they had a history of not doing that, but these two leaders in particular, but if they would work together, maybe God would bless that, and they might start many churches across Albania and across the Balkan nations so that more people might know Jesus and more people might find their way back to God. And they just kind of looked at me like, you're crazy. That's not going to work out. We don't like each other, and we're not sure this is the right fit for us to do some stuff together, and Whatever. Well, over time, God did move in those two gentlemen's lives and in their families' lives. They did begin working together. They did begin collaborating together. And in the course of like six years, they ended up working together to almost plant 100 churches across the Balkan nations, not just in Albania, but also in Macedonia and in Greece and Montenegro and the surrounding countries. And if you could have been there that day and saw the looks on their faces of the level of skepticism they had in that moment. You would look back on that if you had the opportunity to deliver such words and you go, God was doing something that I didn't know I was going to get to be a part of. And you'd be surprised by the experience that you had. Now, today's topic uh, is an interesting topic, and maybe you've had similar moments in your faith journey. Or maybe this conversation is a little spooky to you. Either way, the point of this conversation today is, is to help us to grow 
in our supernatural, natural understandings. This naturally supernatural series is designed to inspire us and to spring us and catalyze some of us to a new way of thinking and feeling and understanding when it comes to our faith. And maybe you've had those moments where you felt like you had just the right words or just the right thoughts to help someone else. Or maybe somebody has done that to you. They've sent you just the right text. They made just the right phone call. They sent you just the right email. And you sense that God said something very special and particular to you in that moment. And you couldn't quite identify why it happened the way that it did. That's what today's conversation is about. And here's what we're going to wrestle with today. What if we could experience moments like this more frequently? And what if we were meant to? We're in a third week of our series, Naturally Supernatural. And during this series, we've been challenging ourselves, challenging everybody, all of us, to really begin to open ourselves up that there are supernatural ways that God wants to work in and through our lives. And I know that's something that we just kind of hear when we come to church. It's like a thing, like, that's what the pastor's supposed to say. That's what the church is supposed to say, that God wants to work in and through us in supernatural ways. But what if it's actually true? What if it's actually true? That our supernatural Lord wants to engage with our natural lives to do something powerful and impactful, not just for the oohs and ahs, not just so this can be some sort of like event that people get wowed by or some sort of story that goes, oh my gosh, God did that. But instead because our God who set the universe in motion desperately wants to be in relationship with us. And that is a supernatural move in and of itself. Now we tend to box God in. We tend to put him in this box that our relationship with God looks like this. And there's these really fine parameters that we put to that. Now, how do I know that? Because I do that. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you think of yourself and you go, yeah, my spiritual view of God and how I see God really just fits this way. And there's probably reasons why that happens. Maybe you feel like he's let you down in different parts of your story. Maybe you feel like he's let others down. Maybe there's things you're disappointed about. Or maybe you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about whether you put God in a box or not. And for some reason, I think of Jack in the Box, and then I think of Elf, and I think of the moment where Will Ferrell's character keeps spinning, the dun, 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 and you get scared. Yep, my ADD, it's kicking in. Anyway, so relationship with God in a box. Here's what we want to challenge ourselves. This plausibility structure is what we'll call this. We want to stretch our plausibility structure with the four T's. Every good pastor comes up with alliterations. So these four T's you'll see on the screen, uh, they represent, you know, our biblical theology. So how do we as Christ followers, how do we as spiritual leaders look at our own understanding of God? That's what theology is. It's your understanding of God. How do we look at biblical theology to stretch our plausibility structures? Or how do we listen to testimonies? I mean, the story of Albania that I shared with you earlier how do we listen for the kinds of testimonies that will stretch our plausibility structures and take God out of a box? How do we begin new kind of tactics or skills, new practices that will stretch us uh, and help us grow beyond our current plausibility structure? And then I'll say the fourth one is probably the most important one. It's personal. It's not just some ethereal idea. It's trust. That's the hardest one, I think. 
Because trust is about relationship. And it's a question of, do we trust that God can move beyond and outside the box that we've put him in? And that trust is hard to come by. But in a faith community like this, what's special about the church, and maybe it's been a while since you've heard this, what's special about the church, this is where trust can grow and take root. And when we as individuals hear from God and we get better at stretching our plausibility structures, moving God outside the box, when we do that as individuals, then we can do that as a church. And the church is people. It's not a building. This building's nice. It's a block and a half from where I used to live. There's no setup and tear down. It's so minimal. You guys got it so easy. These guys, they don't even know. Tim knows. Tim knows how hard we had it back in the day. Anyway, moving on from that. Point is, I don't have any issues with it, I promise. I love this building. <laughs> that if we're growing as individuals, then we can grow together as a church. And if we grow together as a church, as a faith community that's hearing from God, and we can receive these prophetic words, which is what we're talking about today, it can increase our ability to be the kind of faith community that's in relationship with God and can engage in the community and see more people find their way back to him. But as soon as I said prophetic words, and as I told you the story of Albania, you probably went, what the heck? <laughs> Why did I come to church today? This is some weird stuff. Or you might be thinking, wow, we're going to have some experts tell us about prophetic words. I've always wanted to know what that thing is. Well, it turns out I'm not an expert. I try to be. I'm like you. I'm a student of the scriptures. I'm in a community where we're praying together. We're doing our best to hear from God together. We're in this together. But as I say the word prophetic words, there's probably some images that come to your mind. Uh, you might think of, um, you know, somebody on television who's like, saying some things to you, and they're trying to tell you that they've heard from God, and this is this important message that you need to hear. Uh, back in the day when channel surfing was a thing, people don't do that anymore, right? Who still channel surfs? Anybody do that still? How do you channel surf? What do you use? Sling TV. All right, so Tim still channel surfs. I used to do that all the time, like late night especially. It's like, what infomercial can I catch? What's the thing I'm going to get to and be like, oh, that's funny, that's interesting. Uh, sometimes I get on the Christian channels to make fun of the pastors who are on there because I'm a bad person. Um, but Prophet Peter Popoff was one of the guys that was on there. And so sometimes when I think of prophetic words, I think of Prophet Peter Popoff, who swore that this vial of water that I ordered from him was going to come from uh, this waterfall in Russia that would bless me and anoint me and take care of me. That's not Prophet Peter Popoff. But maybe that's what you think of. You think of some angry street preacher that's like got something they need to say to you and they got, a, you know, they got some prophetic word and if you get their words, then somehow you're going to hear from God and it's going to be this very special moment. Or maybe you think of somebody like the liar liar where you got Jim Carrey's character who's just like, they're basically a nut job and their job is to reveal to you all the baggage and junk in your life so they can tell everybody else about it that's going to air this dirty laundry and that prophetic word is somehow going to cleanse the community and save them from themselves. Or still, when you think of prophetic word, maybe you think of this image where it's like you got this kind of God-commissioned or God-ordained future teller that's going to like sanitize the information to where this is directly from God and now we know when Y2K is going to happen. 
or whatever that thing is that people are most excited about, most passionate about, and somehow they've led themselves to believe that this is some, uh, you know, version of a fortune teller that's going to give you a prophetic word. So let's get away from all that stuff, because that's not what we're talking about. Our friends Alex and Hannah Absalom, just wonderful leaders, church planters, pastors, writers, conference speakers, they define prophecy this way. They say that prophecy is the loving supernatural ability to know and appropriately speak the mind of who? The mind of God on a specific subject at a specific time by the prompting and inspiration of, of the what? Of the who? The Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. If you look at this quote here, you'll recognize that prophecy is meant to be, it's meant to be a loving supernatural activity. It's not meant to be this like, I can't wait to prophesy to that person and tell them what I really think. It's not meant to be like that. It's not meant to be this prophetic word that's going to spiritually curse someone out and tell them what you really think about that particular thing that they're doing or that particular thing that they're a part of or about them in particular. It's not meant to be this kind of like trump card that we play where we say something like, God told me or I heard from God in this, blah, blah, blah. How many people have been in faith communities where someone said that to you? God told me this, and then they say it, and you're like, well, I don't know if God told you that because I didn't hear that, <laughs> and I'm a Christ follower. What are you talking about? Those God cards that we toss around, that's not, that's not what we're talking about either when we talk about prophetic word. Prophetic words, you know, the, the heart behind prophetic speech is love. Prophecy is about sharing God's thoughts and God's heart, and it's prompted and inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's that nudge that we feel inside of us that doesn't originate in our own will or our own desires. And the reality is God has always spoken to his people through prophetic words. The writer of Hebrew reminds us uh, in Hebrews 1.1, he says, in the, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. See, throughout the Old Testament, God used specific people to speak specific prophetic words to the people of God. And maybe when I say prophetic words, that's what instantly comes to your mind. You might think of the Old Testament. You might think of the prophets that had very specific messages to deliver at specific times to specific groups of people. But prophecy isn't just an Old Testament activity. And that may come as a surprise to some of you in the room. It's a New Testament activity. And God continues to speak in this way. Um, I would argue that his desire for prophetic speech needs to be widespread among us. It's not something that's just meant to be kept to a few. And the reason why I believe that, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus says to his followers, and you won't see this part on the screen, uh, but he says to his followers, he says, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You can kind of picture this moment. Jesus is saying to his followers, he's saying to his disciples, he's saying, well, listen, it's going to happen here in Jerusalem. I think concentric circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he's saying to his early followers, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, God's going to move through you, and you will become my church. Sound familiar? This is who we are. We are part of this lineage. We are connected 
by that same Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And what happens is uh, these early followers of Jesus, they go to the day of Pentecost, and they begin doing some miraculous signs, and the Holy Spirit does appear. And there's some amazing things begin to happen. And we pick up here in these verses, in Acts 2, verses 17 and 18, it says, In the last days, this is Peter speaking here, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. On who? Who? All people, not just some people, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my service, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will what? Prophesy. What? In those days, they will prophesy. In the last days, the last days, that's today. That's today, since Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit became, came upon those early Christ followers and the church began to grow and multiply, which we're now a part of some 2,000 years later, we have been given the ability, because it says men and women, people, to prophesy, to have prophetic word. Now, I know, again, just reality check, that's a lot of church words. Sounds like something a pastor or a preacher is supposed to say. And some of it's probably intimidating language. And I can respect that and I can trust that. I'm a born cynic and a born skeptic. Ask my wife. <laughs> I question and make fun of just about everything. You would think I'm almost a millennial or the other snowflake generations, the one younger than that. Sorry, millennials. Where it's like you get, you're just like super cynical. All your memes are cynical. All your gifts are cynical. It's just the way you guys are wired. I'm sorry. Um, I kind of get that. I get the cynical nature of not always trusting what's being said. And that's why we go back to the scriptures. If you have questions about your faith, read the Gospels. Read the life of Jesus. The first four books, in the, first four books of the New Testament. Reread those if you have questions about your faith and questions about what's being said here when we gather. And the book of Acts stands for the Acts of the early church. This is when they first gathered. It's when they first started coming together. It's when they first started doing the ministry that Jesus had preached about for those three years while he did his public ministry. And so we're looking at the very first early parts of the church when they first started coming together. And this is what Peter had to say. And Peter's actually quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting the prophet Joel here. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And if you get your version app and you get on your phones and you look at this particular verse, there's like those three bubbles and if you click on it, it'll tell you where this passage is coming from and how he's quoting Joel. And this is just him trying to explain, listen, this is how it's supposed to work. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon us. We're going to receive prophetic words. We're going to be able to encourage one another. We're going to be able to edify and lift up the church. And this is how it's supposed to work. And he's like, don't be surprised. And everyone should participate. This is a team sport. This isn't for the experts. This isn't for the specialized. This isn't for the set apart. This is for anybody that calls themselves a Christ follower that's filled with the Holy Spirit. They've all been blessed with the ability for prophetic word. But I also realize this is the journey. And we're all in different parts of the journey. And we're all trying to figure out what it means to be engaged on this mission. And some of us maybe haven't even said yet, yes to Jesus. And that's okay. That is okay. We want this to be a safe place for you to continue to explore what it looks like to follow him. But if you call yourself a Christ follower, if you said yes to Jesus, let's step further into this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, as he wrote to the early church in Corinth, 
He's given them some wisdom and some counsel on this topic. And he says this, you'll see on the screen. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Especially what? Especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. Now, Paul talks about two different supernatural gifts here. The first one is speaking in tongues, which is the ability to speak languages that you do not know. And the second one is speaking uh, is prophecy. And apparently the gift of tongues, had a, they had a little bit of an issue with pride, those that had this gift, uh, feeling they were more spiritual than the rest. And that's kind of what he's referencing here in this particular passage. In fact, Paul speaks into that. Uh, in the previous chapter, he spends uh, a lot of time saying that our motivation for any of these gifts is out of love. And Paul makes it very clear you can have all the gifts in the world, but if you don't have love, it's pointless. In this passage, he starts with a reminder that we're meant to follow the way of love. And you can see that highlighted on the screen. And in following the way of love, it's important for us to remember that any prophetic words that we have to offer, any prophetic wisdom that we give to another person, it needs to come out of a place of love. It can be tempting for us, as I said earlier, to prophesy to somebody else because we just want to let them have it and give them the right word that we think they need to hear. And we can do that out of frustration or out of anger. But Paul says to his early followers, this early church in Corinth, he says, listen, without love, it doesn't matter what you have to say. And if you think about it, what good does that do? If somebody rages against you, do you listen to them? Not really. So we need to pause. And it would be reminded that prophetic words need to come out of a place of love. In fact, he clarifies in case we didn't get it. He clarifies here. We're going to highlight another part of the passage. What's that say? What's it say in red? That sounds good, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be great if we as a community did that for one another? If we strengthened one another, we encouraged one another, we comforted one another. Now, wouldn't it be incredible if we did that to the community that we lived in or the city that we're a part of? Instead of standing for what we don't believe, what if we stood for what we do believe? We believe in strengthening. We believe in comforting. We believe in encouraging. I mean, if this was the kind of community that did that here over and over and over again with every relationship that we built, the local pubs that we regularly visit, the local coffee shops, the local restaurants, the way that we serve in the community with aldermen and here in the neighborhood, the schools that we partner with, if we were known to be a strengthening, encouraging, and comforting community, wouldn't they want to work with us more? It gives us opportunity to speak into their lives, to allow God to move. And so when we think about giving prophetic words, these questions should come to mind. These questions. Is it strengthening? Is it encouraging? Is it comforting? Now, over the years, I've not always been great at this. I've had prophetic words that I believed were from God, and my delivery wasn't exactly great. I had a friend of mine that... I shared a lot of life with for a number of years. There's a friend of mine who lives in Australia. Um, his name is Kim Hammond, and his nickname is Kimmy. And Kimmy is just like the most lovable, fun dude to hang out with. He's a great leader. 
He helps us lead our church planting efforts in Oceania, which includes Australia. And so his family is there and he leads as a part of a church there. And Kimmy confronted me one time. He's like, Metcalf, that's what my friends call me, Metcalf. He's like, Metcalf, you're really good at like, you know exactly what needs to be said. You have the right words, the right wisdom. He's like, but I want to give you some wisdom. You need to fluff the pillows. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about, Kim? He's like, you, you just like, you lay it all out there. You tell me what you're really thinking. You confront the issue. You give me some prophetic word, as you might call it. But you make me feel really bad the way you say it. Because <laughs> you're just so candid and so crass and so honest. Anybody else like this? Can you relate to what I'm talking about? You need to fluff the pillows, right? So here's my kind of pro tip for those of us in the crowd today that are good at telling the truth. Fluff the pillows. Fluff the pillows. Right there. Is it strengthening? Is it encouraging? And is it comforting? Now, I don't want you to just hear from me on this topic. I'll give you an opportunity to hear from Rodrigo Cano. He's got his own story of prophetic words in his life. Let's listen to Rodrigo. I grew up in Mexico in a dysfunctional family. My father was an alcoholic and my mother did everything in her power to protect us and provide a safe environment for us, but was not very expressive towards us. As a result, I grew up with a lot of insecurities and fears. I was that kid who would play by himself in the corner and, and bother no one. But as I grew up, I always felt the need to feel accepted and appreciated. I am pretty sure I was, but I just could not feel it. In an effort to feel accepted, I excelled in school. I was a straight-A student all throughout my education. I found refuge in music and learned how to play a few instruments and became very disciplined to practice and be good at them. Once again, looking for acceptance and value. I tried to follow God's commands with the best of my abilities, not from a place of love, but thinking that somehow, if I just follow God's commands, He will love me and accept me more. One day I was playing piano at a conference. There were maybe a couple of thousand people and the preacher was talking about the fatherly love of God. I was obviously touched because that was something I felt I was missing in my life. But I was containing my emotions. I did not want to cry. I mean, I was playing background piano as he was speaking. All of a sudden he turns to me and quiets everyone, looks at me and says, I feel I have a word from God to you and I feel God is telling me he wants everyone here to hear it. He continued, I feel God saying to you that every time you got a good grade, every time you excelled in school, every time you said no to temptations, and you felt no one noticed, you felt alone. God is saying that He always noticed. God says to you that He has always been with you and wants everyone to know that He's proud of you. God is also saying that your relationship with your earthly father is about to change for the good. I was in tears as I was receiving the word from God that definitely strengthened, encouraged, and comforted me. The best part of this story is that just as that person told me, God restored and rescued our family's story. My dad found his way back to God, got baptized, and the last years of his life were the best years I could have with him. As a result of this, anytime I feel prompted to give someone a word, I do everything on my part to overcome the fear of sharing it because I know the potential it has to speak directly to someone's heart and need. That's a great testimony. Remember we talked about the four T's, kind of push our 
kind of like uh, with the way we see things and push our, the way we see God in a box and how we stretch our minds. Testimony is one of those things. I like the title of this series, Naturally Supernatural, because I think this is supposed to be an everyday occurrence. I don't think it's meant to be stories that are 10 years old or somebody else's story that never happened to us. I think as Christ followers, this is meant to be an everyday occurrence. We are designed, created in the image of our Lord, in the image of God. And as people who have been created in the image of God, as people who have said yes to Jesus, as the Holy Spirit is with us, we should on a regular basis be receiving prophetic words to speak into our friends, into our family, into our coworkers, into our kids. We should be able to share what God has to say to them in a unique, supernatural, special kind of way on a regular basis. And I think part of the challenge is maybe, just maybe, we haven't even thought of it that way. And we don't have kind of the simple practices that can help us to grow in this part of our lives. So I'm going to give you some stuff. And I hope you take a picture of it all once it's up because there are five things to help all of us grow in this area of our lives. The first is for us to ask for the words. Ask God to give you the prophetic words. Let's, as a faith community, operate in faith. Okay, faith community, operate in faith. See what I did there? That we can assume that God wants to give us the words. He wants to give this to us. It's not something he's trying to hold back, keep from us. Instead, we should ask for those words. It should be something that we eagerly, eagerly desire, like what Paul talked about to the Corinthians. The second thing is to listen silently. Man, this is a tough one for me. My brain is always flying a million miles an hour. And I tell you, like, we're like hardwiring our brains to do this because we all have smartphones. And if you've gotten away from that, good for you because I'm jealous. Because like between social media and the news at our fingertips all the time and all the apps that we love, um, it's hard to shut down our brains. It's really tough to not binge watch something on Amazon or Netflix or whatever. It's just difficult to pause. But to listen silently is an important part of this. It's an important part of us being able to take thoughts into account and wonder if that might be from the Holy Spirit whether they be images or words or phrases. And we need to work on this as a community. The third one is filter in love. This goes back to fluffing the pillows. This goes back to asking those key questions. Is it strengthening, encouraging, and comforting? The fourth one is share in faith. And this is where many of us pause. <laughs> you're, you're thinking, maybe what, that was from God. I'm not sure. How do I say that to somebody? That'll sound weird. They'll think there's something wrong with me. They'll think I'm overly spiritual. They think I belong in a different religious group. They think I'm part of a cult. And so we pause and we don't say anything. But I want to encourage us. If we can grow as individuals, we can grow as a church. Us growing as a church, it's dependent upon you. We have to individually embrace sharing what we've heard from God in faith. A text, a phone call, an email, Take initiative. And finally, release and humility. Those are the five things. Take out your phones. Take a picture of that, please, so we can all begin to move this into action. This is an opportunity for us to have simple practices that can increase our discipline to hear prophetic words. And releasing and humility 
key phrases like, I don't know if this will resonate with you, so please pray about it. Or, in case this is something the Holy Spirit is giving me for you, I'd like to share this with you. Those are humble phrases. Instead of saying, God told me, or the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, don't do that. That's offensive, and it's weird. (laughs) Sorry, Christians. We get really weird sometimes. Stop being weird. Like, realize that we're not infallible. Maybe something we heard wasn't from God, but maybe it was. And let's kind of like learn to say, I'm not sure. Maybe this was from the Holy Spirit. I've prayed about it, and I just feel like I need to share this with you. And then give them the word. And we can trust that God is at work. Came back to that key phrase, trust. That's a tough one for any of us on our spiritual journeys. Maybe there's been times where you felt like God has wronged you or let you down. Or maybe the church has wronged you or let you down. And sometimes it's not a feeling. Sometimes that's actually what happened. And so it makes it hard for us to move God outside the box. And we tend to be cynical and skeptical about what he can do. And the point of God's eternal church is to encourage us, is to inspire us, to move us outside of our plausibility structures. Because let's be honest, they're letting us down. Those plausibility structures. Because we built them. (laughs) And we're not very dependable people, (laughs) for being honest. We need Jesus. We need the hope of God's church and his Holy Spirit to move beyond our plausibility structures. And so in an effort to do that, we're going to practice something today. It's not going to get weird. It's not going to be spooky church. <laughs> we're going to practice something today. It's just going to be very simple. And I'm going to ask if you just start with by bowing your heads and closing your eyes. And as you bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to give you a minute of silence. Just one minute. Don't think about food. Don't think about where you're going to get your brunch. Do your best to push those thoughts away. I'm going to ask you to pay attention in this minute of silence to any words or images or scriptures that might come to mind. As you think about a friend, as you think about a family member, as you think about a coworker, as you think about a neighbor. Pay attention to any words. Pay attention to any images or maybe even scriptures that come to mind. I'm going to give you a minute right now.
Okay. So here's what I want to challenge all of us to do. If there was something that came to mind about this particular person that you were thinking of, I want to challenge you to text them right now. I want, you to ch- I want to challenge you to text them before the day is over. Send them a note. Hey, I was thinking about you. I was praying. I'm not sure if this is something that you needed to hear or not. But I think what I heard God tell me was to say this to you. Now, you may not get an immediate positive response. They may be like, huh? That's weird. Why'd you tell me that? That's okay. Remember, we're doing this in faith and in humility. And maybe over time, they'll look back on that and be like, that's exactly what I needed to hear at that exact right moment. And I had no idea. Maybe even in this moment, you didn't hear anything and you didn't visualize anything and no scripture came to mind. That's okay too. This is a new discipline, it's a new practice that we want to encourage all of us to grow in. The point of prophecy is to edify the church. Corinthians 14, 4. We want to do this to build up the church and to build up others within the community, within our spheres of influence. I mean, the idea of sharing words of prophecy with one another is more than just making us feel good. It's about pouring into others and asking those questions that we asked earlier. And so I guess I want to continue to challenge us to be naturally supernatural. And so I want to encourage you to join me in this prayer. We're going to pray it out loud. This is a prayer that we've been praying as a part of this series. Um, and I just ask you to join it with me, all right? On the count of three, one, two, three. God, expand my vision, embolden my heart, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this community. Thank you for the reminder of your love. Thank you for the reminder of your grace, for the hope that we can have in you, for the healing that's available in you. Lord, help us to continue to receive what you have to say to us. Give us the courage and the strength to give prophetic word where it's needed. Pray these things in your name. Amen.